I believe it happens in what I call reverse Pangea. So all these things are going to come together to to fit together like a puzzle, but it's like you have to do it at the same time. This is time. already Otherwise- the most Jonah podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to another episode of Finding Mr. Hyde, the podcast. I'm Allie, back with my co-host, Rourke. Rourke, this has been a very eventful week for both of us, but especially for you. 100%. I think this is probably my biggest personal update week of our podcast lifespan. Very excited. I have a, a little bit of a sneak preview, but I can't wait to hear the details. Yeah, so... The where we left off is we were recording, and then I had a date that night with the classmate, mm-hmm. and date was great. We went to this place in Dallas that's like it's like this big outdoor sort of. It has a patio beer garden vibe, super casual, really fun. We just sat at a picnic table for hours. Is it called Backyard? No, it's not. Oh, okay. is that a is that a place that you've been to in Dallas? Yes, and it's like that exact vibe that you mentioned. It's yeah, one of it the only the, places I've ever been to there. Gotcha. For uh, anyone who's interested, it is called. It's called the Katy Trail Ice House. It's like a oh. big thing. Um, when the weather is good and during the daytime on the weekends, it is nuts. Like it is so full. But on a weeknight, it was totally fine. Uh, we talked a bunch. We played. Um, he was so funny. He was like, "I am somebody who loves games. Who was." raised by a family who hates games which reminded me of you actually hey <laughs> and he actually said it's it's not that they he's like i actually think that they might like games but we just get, fight too much like it's not pleasant oh uh, i i don't think my parents like games at all okay so um he was like i've been deprived and so i i always carry a deck of cards in my purse Sure. And so I'm ready at a moment's notice. And so we just played this like very simple, easy card game called golf while we were talking. And so towards the end of the night, he brought up, he was like, just so you know, I only want to see you. Like I only want to date you. And he said, I completely understand if you're not there yet. I just want like, that's where I'm at. And as long as I am in your roster and you want to still keep seeing me among others, like that's okay. And I thought that was like a really great way to handle it and very Finding Mr. Hyde approved. <laughs> very Finding Mr. Hyde approved. He led with his feelings. We love that. Yeah. So I also said, I was like, you know, we're about to go into three days together. Let's see how that goes. Right. And, you know, maybe I'll feel differently after that. So, um, or like I thought that part, I didn't say that part. So, yeah. We, I got up to the wedding early or the like location of the wedding early because I was helping the bride and groom with like prep work. Mm-hmm. And so I, um, I got up there early. I was working, whatever. And then he flew in third. It was a Friday wedding. So he flew in Thursday to be there for the welcome dinner. Okay. And so I just want to say throughout all of this, like he was a freaking like flexible trooper. He had to fly into Chicago and then road trip for an hour and a half with the bride's cousin, who he's <laughs> never met before, and who also is a very bad driver. And oh. I asked, yeah, I asked if I was if I should warn him, and he, in retrospect, was like, 
yeah, because I like may have offered to drive sooner. He was like, there was he, there was a point where he was like, hey man, like if you're really tired, I can totally take over. Like just let me know if you want to keep driving or not. He was like trying to like not be too directive, but yeah, he was like, I've never seen somebody look down at directions and immediately end up in another lane. Um, <laughs> oh god, that honestly that reminds me of I like helped uh, one of my ex boyfriends move down to Philly and we drove together and I uh-huh. had never seen him drive before and that was. It was exactly like that. That's hilarious. Yeah. So, um, you know, that like that's so nice of him. And then I was a bridesmaid in the wedding. And so I basically was like, here, meet my a couple other of my friends who are guests. Spend the entire day with them on Friday. I'll Bye. see you at 5 p.m. when the ceremony starts. Yeah. Because I, I left the room before he even like got up. Like I didn't see him until the ceremony on Friday. That's a tough move as a plus one. Like you have to like really – I've actually never been in that scenario on the other end. I've done it to somebody before who had yeah. never met a soul, but I've never been on the other end of it. Yeah. And he was like just great. Like so easy. So nice. And yeah, we just like – we had the best time and my friends like really like enjoyed him and sent me like the nicest texts like about him and how sort Aww. of like affable and like easygoing and like he was and just like how great it was and how open he was like a friend of mine was like yeah we spent all day together and there was no like he's not a surface talker he like was super open about like career and family and like we just like had real conversations as if we were friends and it was so nice this is all to say at like sort of towards the end of the weekend i was like okay this is like going really well i really like you i was like i only want to see you too amazing yeah and so he responds by saying like okay great let's do this let's be boyfriend girlfriend and i was like oh this what okay like do you know about this like exclusive thing like (laughs) did you did you know that we've talked extensively about how there's a step between Mm -hmm. not being exclusive and being boyfriend girlfriend yes and he has like been dating but hasn't been in like a relationship in a bit okay and so and um interestingly he had he had been on hinge but i was his first bumble date and he like hit a wall with hinge where he was like i'm not like making connections that i like like i'm gonna try bumble and i was his first bumble date and so i think it's like sort of a detail of like modern dating that has not made it into his consciousness (laughs) Interesting. And so, yeah. So anyway, we're just uh, we're just going straight for it. So the classmate is now the boyfriend. Oh my god, we have I a boyfriend know. on fighting Mr. Height. This is major. I know. I I know. I don't know what to do because I also like I was thinking about this that like I so I okay I have a lot of thoughts. Number okay. one is that I realized for the first time like so we like deleted our apps whatever like weird yeah modern relationship milestone I've never had to do that because I've never actually dated somebody I've like I've yeah. never yeah so then um I didn't realize how much like idle time I would kill by scrolling yeah it's crazy and so like last night I was like oh like I'm not opening an app like it, I didn't want to be but I just like realized right. that like yeah you just oh, kill this time isn't that way. a way that I kill time anymore it's very strange mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, there's that. And then there's also like, this invites a conversation that I haven't, I've had to tell people about the podcast, but I think now I have to have a more thorough conversation about like, I, I, I feel that there's a difference between saying, oh, I had this date. It was great. Or like, oh, I had this date. It was a dud. And, oh, let me tell you about a relationship that's happening. Yeah. There, there's definitely a difference. Yeah. And so I want to talk to him about all that, but, um, but yeah, and then also, I don't know, I am having – I've been single, I realized, for two years. Wow. 
Yeah. And like the idea of like prioritizing someone else is like, oh my God, like what if, like what if I'm like bad at that? Like what if I can't do that? And I've, I'm having these thoughts where I've spent the two, these two years like really sort of strengthening my dating muscle and trying to make better choices about healthy relationships and the people that I'm dating. And so I'm like, well, crap, my like last two relationships, you know, like ended and I've gotten good at dating, quote unquote. And now what if it turns out I'm actually bad at relationships? Like what if I suck? And so I don't know. I'm like freaking out. I doubt that's true, but it totally makes sense of thinking about, you know, I've thought about especially now that I'm going out on dates with people from the matchmaker where like I need to make myself available for these people. Mm -hmm. I've realized that I have built a life that no one else fits in. Yeah. We're like busy gals. Yeah. And not to say that I couldn't or wouldn't adjust things, but like as it currently stands, as it currently stands, I do not have time for an additional person in my life. I know. So like something's going to have to give at that juncture. Totally. And so I'm sort of like, shit, how do I do this again? It's weird. Well, just, I think you just start doing it. Yeah. I mean, that's what that's what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. So I've talked a little bit on the pod about how I've been trying to extend my damp January into, into future months. And I have really been enjoying recess mocktails as a way to have what feels like a fancy drink at home, but without the alcohol. Yeah. And also, it's nice to have something in your fridge that just has a little bit of flavor. Totally. And they're they're delicious. They're made with real fruit, sweetened with agave, and again, 0% alcohol. So just a nice nice little flavorful drink that is a little, little play on our favorites here. They got a bunch of great flavors. My personal favorite is the recess watermelon mojito. I actually like to garnish it like it's a actual cocktail. Like I put it in a coupe glass, feeling all fancy, garnish it with a little sprig of mint. It is delicious. And my favorite is the recess ginger lime mule. I'm a ginger gal. And what I love also, not too sweet. Perfect amount of just a little little sweet treat. They're absolutely delicious. And you can get 15% off recess mocktails now at takearecess.com slash FMH. So you can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences. Well, I'm very excited for you. I would be remiss not to ask, based on our very recent conversations about sort of like quick timelines into relationships, how are you feeling about the the timing of all of this? I mean, as you know, I have a skewed perspective anyways because of my parents. Mm-hmm. And so I when I told a friend actually about this, she she asked if my parents had said, "Wow, our apple does not fall far from the tree." <laughs> Um, but I guess like I'm okay with it in the sense because at every place that he like I actually what makes me feel very good about it, for example, is like the Dallas conversation where he was like, This is where I'm at. It's okay if you're not. Yeah. And like that type of thing I don't think is what somebody says who is trying to get like get you in their orbit and like lock you in or like something like that. No, no, definitely not. I think there's yeah. but there's also there's also like love bombing manipulative behavior and then there's just an escalated timeline of like somebody that you don't know that well yet and kind of navigating that. Oh, for sure. I think that part of I mean, part of it is this like weird intimacy of knowing each other yeah. already. Both of our moms were like, "Oh, send us pictures because they know the other." And like that right. didn't feel weird. His mom actually remembers like a shocking amount about me where I'm like oh. I'm very surprised. There's this like sort of intimacy of shared past. And so in a way, it's like, "Oh, we have all these 
common reference points. Mm -hmm. And then there's like obviously plenty of learning to do about the 20 years in between, but there's like a comfort there where it's like, all right, I already, like, I know what your family's about. I know what this, like, there's a lot of like deeper stuff that I knew going in. Yeah. Now that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I don't know, it just like feels easy and uncomplicated and like I – I don't like feel weird or like bad about it at all. I just feel very comfortable. I, I'm like freaking out about my own abilities and like my yes. like I, I have my own fears of like what if I'm a disappointment? Like what if I'm a bad partner? Like what you know, like I have those fears, but I have no fears about sort of like the trajectory of our feelings. That's great. Yeah. Very sort of serendipitous and maybe not totally unrelated that like things with trivia were kind of ebbing. As ebbing's the right word, version of ebbing and yeah. flowing, right? Yeah. Ebbing at the moment that the classmate came on the scene. Yes. I – this came up on um, Patreon that I actually did hear from Trivia. And so mm-hmm. if you – yeah, if you want like a little bit earlier updates sometimes, yeah, <laughs> hop on uh, – subscribe to our Patreon. It's Finding Mr. Height, obviously. And um, so I did hear from him. He asked me how Dallas was going. We texted a little bit. He was traveling actually to New York this past weekend while I was in the wedding. And he said specifically, like, let me know when you're back in LA from the wedding. And so Mm. I feel like it would be a ghost for me to ignore that. Yes, I agree. Yeah. So I think that I do have to do something here. Yeah. Because we had been saying before that like if it – again – Patreon gets better inside info, people. Um, But we had been saying there that like if you both kind of slow fade because you're both traveling, then like maybe that could be a natural end of things. Mm -hmm. But in that, I didn't know at the time because he hadn't said this yet probably that he said that. So I I agree. Yeah. So I will deal with that. I have sent out a like preliminary like let's get a conversation going text. Mm. So then I can follow up with – the news. Yeah. And do you think you're going to tell him that there's somebody else versus just end things? I, I think I am. I, I just – like I I have no – I don't think there's anything wrong with the, the, the true story here. No, not at all. I just think sometimes people wonder if they have to and you definitely, in my opinion oh, yeah. at least, don't have to. Definitely not. I, I just think that like in this – what feels easier to me is to just be honest and give – the background rather than like think of something else to say it might be truer, but honestly might be more hurtful. Like, I don't know if there's any point in me being like, yeah, by the way, like I just kind of came to the conclusion that like, you're not for me. Like, right. I'm also <laughs> um, not into you. In addition yeah. to liking this other guy, I, even if he didn't exist, I wouldn't have wanted to date you just so you know. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's probably not necessary. Totally. Anyway. But yeah, in our interim, you've also had second date with the accountant. Yes. We went on a date on Friday night. Mm-hmm. Um, people on I TikTok loved your are, snazzy top. Oh, thank you. It was you. so colorful. He really liked it too, actually. He complimented me on it like the minute I walked in. That's so nice. Yeah. Um, people on TikTok are very invested in the fact that he's the accountant because of like that whole TikTok oh, thing. Oh, yeah. There's also, however, I for a time made it onto a corner of TikTok where people thought that they were like, why do you keep mentioning his job? Like, it's weird that you keep saying he's an accountant. Okay, I, they've, I kept, they've missed the plot. They've missed the plot. Like, I and I kept saying back to them, like, I, it's just his nickname. I give every guy a nickname that happens to be his. 
and I'm saying it over and over again in the video, somebody else was like, drink every time she says the accountant. Oh my God. Who? Good Lord. But like, I have to do that. Otherwise I will get comments asking who the date is with. True. So anyway, yes, we went on our second date on Friday night. He picked this adorable bar in Fort Greene, which is a neighborhood of Brooklyn that I really like a lot. It's where you and I had dinner. I was going to say, I think we went there. Yeah. It's like two blocks down from where you and I had dinner. It's called Endswell. I've passed it a million times. Always thought it looked cute. Had never been. Super cute. They had, I'm not even exaggerating here, probably 50 different plants in there. Wow. That's, how happy were you? In the uh, jealous is the word I would yeah. use, and confused because many of them were extremely high up. I just like I need to know their plant care routine. Mm. I'm desperate to know about their plant care because they it must take hours to water all these plants. Uh, I mean, I'm sure they would be happy to tell you. I, probably next time, and yeah. they're real. We like investigated. So then he and I were like talking about the plants. We're like, are they real? That's great. I went to the bathroom. I came back. I was like. This just in. There's 15 additional plants in the bathroom. Confirmed they're real. That's so cute. I love I love like a running joke like that. Yeah. So yeah, we had a great time. We talked about a lot of like we got like a little bit deeper, talked about our families more. Um, I like went on a very long ramble about my dad's family, which is like a not something I typically get into on a second date or even anywhere close to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so would you say that means you felt comfortable with him? Definitely felt comfortable with him. Um, he also interestingly asked me, like we talked a little bit about like why each of us had wanted to go on a second date. Mm, interesting. Yeah. And it was at first when he asked me, I was a little bit taken aback in like a similar way, a similar reaction to the like, oh, why did you swipe right on me? Yeah question but it actually he was actually more so asking and we ended up having a conversation more about like what what are you thinking like what are you thinking we have in common like you know basically like kind of like making sure we're on the same page I think Mm -hmm. and so I ended up kind of getting like feedback from him on like things he liked about me that he would like probably have told my matchmaker but I haven't talked to her yet yeah so that was kind of nice um and then he walked me to the subway we Talked about having a third date. We've been talking a little bit since. We don't have one on the books yet, though. But it all sounds good. Yeah. I'm like, it's interesting because I definitely – I like him. I definitely want to go on a third date. I'm. It's funny because, again, in the comments on the videos, people are like, oh, my gosh, you're so smitten and, like, your eyes light up. And I, I, I think that might just be how I talk. And the ring light. Well, I'm, I'm on the street. I know. I'm kidding. Happening. I was kidding. But – because I, I don't feel that way, and not in a bad way. Yeah, but I don't like. I'm I, to be honest with you, I'm worried that my followers are getting more invested than I am. That's super interesting. I mean, I can see how I can see how that would happen. Do you feel like that's making you feel differently at all, or like I how try, is that affecting you? I'm trying not to let it. Okay, it like it's. It's a cognitive dissonance thing, I think, where like these people want me to be super invested and I am not as invested as they are saying I am. And so mm-hmm. I, the my gut instinct is to be less invested Ooh, than I am. Yeah, that's a bad push-pull. Yeah. So it's, fi- it's fine at this juncture. Like I said, I like him. I want to go out with him again. I like – we have a lot of core values in common and I, I think it's in a really good place. Um, but I'm just sort of cognizant of that. Yeah. 
So a question that I've been I, like, I, I don't know, I was on a walk and I was like, gosh, I, I wonder this about Allie. <laughs> and um, I was wondering if you, are you experiencing either the first date, the second date or both, or this man in general, is this a higher quality dating experience than an average Bumble or Hinge date? With this one guy? Absolutely. Okay, great. Because that was a question I had about sort of the matchmaking process in general. Yes. And I think that, oh, by the way, also, I buried the lead sort of, I realized with your help, this is the first second date I've been on this year. It shook to my core. I mean, but I'm also excited for you. That I'll, You know, that's a good sign. Yeah, totally. And like I've been, as we've discussed, I've been asked on second dates. I haven't yes. been on a first date with somebody that I wanted to go on a second date with. Also, to be honest, I haven't been on that many first dates this year. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Like people might think it, it probably seems like I'm going on a lot, but I honestly haven't been. Yeah. So, but yes, I think that so far, definitely a higher quality experience. Even just starting with the fact that I know we're both looking for the same thing. I know we do share a lot of core values. And I am confident that even if he weren't feeling it, that he would not ghost me, that he would not treat me poorly because first of all, I just get a good vibe from him. But second of all, because there is this third party that both of us are sort of beholden to. That's a very good point. And I mean, th that actually sort of gets at what I think a p the like core value stuff gets at a piece of why I feel like really good about the classmate where a lot of the stuff where I often – meet somebody on, you know, Bumble or whatever app, and then you sort of, or at least I, worry about, oh God, when is like the other shoe going to drop, right? Mm -hmm. When is something undiscovered going to like pop its head out of the soil and ruin this good time? And a lot of that in this situation for me is out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think granted – there's no way that the matchmaker could have ferreted out every single skeleton in someone's closet. Of course. And also people can lie. That That's totally. just a fact. So like people could be lying to her face and, you know, she has no control over that beyond her own intuition about whether or not they're lying. But the chances I think are much lower. That yeah, there is that. something major, whether that something major is a recent relationship they're not over or, you know, a very significant differing value or a different end goal to dating whatever the case may be. Yeah. Well, great. The so, accountant. Potential date yeah. three. Potential date and, three. And the goalie, potential date one? Yes. We have not been connected yet. Um, I think I think he might get back today. I think today okay. might be the day he was getting back. I reached out to her about like the exact timing. Um, and then she also has a potential interview with another guy. So that would be number three. Cooking with fire. Yeah. Um, and then – I was supposed to have a first date from Hinge on Thursday. We were calling mm -hmm. him the Aussie. TBD whether he will get to keep that nickname. Um, so he – I suspected this was happening. We, he, we He's been texting me very consistently, like every day. Not a lot, but just enough to like stay in touch. We had a date scheduled for Thursday. And it was getting to like five-ish on Thursday and I went back and reviewed our conversation and thought to myself, I think he thinks this date is next week. Oops. And it is clear in the conversation that it's not. 
but it also could very easily have been misunderstood. And so I texted him and asked like, what time are you thinking tonight? And lo and behold, he was like, oh, fuck. I, and he said, he said, I just went back and looked at our conversation. It's very clearly today, but I fucked up and thought it was next week. Good. I'm glad he owned it. That's a great sign. And so yes. um, is the idea that you'll circle back on Thursday? Like this no, Thursday? So, then, so I, I'm not free this week at all, oh, actually. No. Oh, so no. we had scheduled for Sunday night yesterday. He texted me yesterday that he was exposed to somebody who tested positive for COVID. Oh, God. Yeah. So he's going to get his test results back. I think he was going in this morning, going to get his test results back today, maybe tomorrow. And hopefully if he's negative, we'll go from there. Yeah. A lot of people are probably listening to this being like, this guy's full of shit. I'm not getting that vibe from him. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. But I, I just from what you've reported now, I would tend to agree. Yeah, which doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be great at following through, but I I don't think he's bullshitting this particular thing. Yeah, this happened early with me in the cyclist. Yeah. And he turned out to be negative, but there was yeah. a there was like a fuck yeah. situation about it. Yeah. Exactly. So and I'm very glad he found out in he's texting me Sunday morning. Very glad he found out Sunday morning versus Sunday night when we'd already gone out. Yeah, very true. Very true. So there was that. I also had a very interesting thing happen to me on Saturday night. Yes. Let's get into old ASV. The aspiring sober vegan strikes again. Sort of. So, (laughs) okay. So I went to a friend's birthday party on Saturday night. Like, this was my first time really going out, out in, you know, at this point, a very long time. We went to, like, we got bottle service. It was like a whole thing. This is, that is not my normal. Was this Valerie's birthday? Yes. Yes. Not my normal scene. So much fun. So we were out. I was in the Uber on the way to meet some friends at a different place. And I'm like opening notifications on Finding Mr. Hyde on my Instagram at, to reply to comments. So I'm like replying to comments. I'm scrolling through my notifications. And I see that I have a new follower, which like normally I don't really pay attention to new followers. Um, like I don't get notifications about them. They're just kind of there as I'm going through comments trying to find a non-asshole way to say that like there's a lot. So like I don't Yeah, no, it, it's fine. So, but I saw in between two comments that I was replying to, I saw this guy wearing a suit in his little profile picture followed me. And I don't get many male followers. True. So I clicked on it and we have a mutual friend. And that mutual friend is the person who introduced me to the aspiring sober vegan. Here we go. <laughs> I then realized that I recognized the handle and the name, and it is ASV's very good friend. Okay. So I think there was sort of – I feel like there's always been sort of like slight confirmation that ASV is aware of the podcast. This is full confirmation. Full confirmation. Yeah. Hello, ASV. Should you currently be listening? Although he probably – if anything, I bet you people that know him are listening to the one that aired today as we speak because this appears to have happened over the weekend. Yes. So I can't remember if we mentioned him last week. I don't think so. I don't think so either. So yes, he he is here. His friends are here. Come on Welcome in. It's a party. In. We love to hear it. We love to hear it. I mean, honestly, like I, you and I have both entered into this podcast with the knowledge that people that we know and date and have dated can and are likely to find out about it. I've yes. always known that. I have said everything that I've ever said with that knowledge. So it doesn't really change anything. It's just a, a mental note. Yeah, totally. I mean, 
everything I've said is factual. Oh, yes. A hundred percent. I do not tell a lie as it yeah. relates to him. And also, as it relates to all of my exes, I have left out quite a bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are doing we are doing many favors. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. So yeah. ASB, if you're listening, it could be a lot worse. No, I'm kidding. Um, I actually don't. There's not even that. There's not actually that much stuff I've left out about him because as I've mentioned before, he is largely a nice person. Yeah. So yeah, so that happened. Um, and now I'm going into this week hoping to have a third date on the horizon and maybe a couple first dates here and there. Amazing. You've got a busy, yeah. busy week. Yes. Excitement all around. Indeed, the classmate is now times. the boyfriend. I know. I feel like we can't, we can't, we got to stick with the classmate as the nickname though. Uh, we absolutely do. Yeah. Otherwise, like th- that could get, I think, confusing for people. They're all of a sudden they're like, who? This new person. Also, we missed a very – we missed an opportunity. Oh, yeah? And that was to go, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking about like sounding off about it, but then I was like, no, that's like that's like too braggy about my own I should have done it on your behalf. I That is that is on oh, me. God. I take that. I take that ownership. Thanks, thanks, thanks. But yeah. Before we get into our guest, I do have a callback to last week's episode. What is what is it a callback to? So I told – you know, we opened up our phone-throwing moment archives. I told the story about my hot rubbing versus hot tubbing incident. That was great. And I spoke to my friend Christine about said incident to try uh, to yes. – She was the witness. Yes, to try to get more, like, memory about exactly what happened. And we're, we're both – we – both don't think it was the same guy as the MySpace guy. Ah, uh, okay. But we can't quite remember who it was, but we are both confident that no romantic interlude ever happened. Gotcha. After the incident. So I like, mean, not surprised. Not surprised. So like I explained <laughs> to myself that I did not mean hot rubbing, I meant hot tubbing, but we never went hot tubbing. Okay, so no rubbing nor tubbing occurred. No rubbing nor tubbing. Um, <laughs> but we think that the – this is just how many men I've embarrassed myself with. We think that the, the MySpace. drunk MySpace guy was a separate guy. That guy I had met at her house and made out within her grandmother's room. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> her grandmother wasn't there. I, I figured. Yeah. So anyway, no rubbing nor, t- nor tubbing, and that is my update. Amazing. Thank you for bringing closure to this. Yes, you're welcome. (sighs) Listen up, guys. If you haven't heard yet, we're coming to the DC Comedy Loft for another live podcast Thursday, March 21st. Get your tickets. We are, I think, over halfway sold out already. Well over halfway sold out. So get your tickets if you want to come experience some magic live. We want to meet you. We want to talk to you. We're going to have so much fun. And it's also Allie's birthday that week. It is my birthday that week, so and my mom might be there. I'm excited. You can go to findingmrheight.com slash live to find an easy link, also in our bios, to get those tickets. And we are going to have an after party afterwards where we can really meet and greet, talk to everybody somewhere in the area. Yeah. So make sure you come. DC Comedy Loft, Thursday, March 21st. And if you want to check out some stand-up, I'm going to be there all weekend. So Friday and that Saturday, I'll be doing stand-up shows. Start swiping on Hinge. Bring a date. Have a good time. and. You'll, you can come and meet Allie's mom, which we still have some spots left on our Portugal trip. And a little update on that. A few of you reached out to us about, hey, I want to come either 
Unfortunately, I don't have my mom anymore, or I want to come with my aunt. I want to come with my sister. I just want to come with a friend. The trip is officially open to anybody that would like to come, as long as you don't mind. Half the trip being moms and daughter combos. Everybody's excited to come. Doesn't matter. You are welcome to join. Travel with us. It's going to be so, so fun. You can also check that out at findingmrheight.com slash podcast. If you have any questions about it, feel free to reach out. We're happy to answer anything. We're just so excited to be there with our moms and with you. Yep. Next October, October 4th through 10th. Check it out. Come travel with us too. Um, well, should we um, bring on Joe? We actually have a few listener questions that we wanted to get to before we get to our interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, this will be fun. It's almost like a, it's om- like a mini grab bag before we get into our interview. Yeah. I find this one relatable. So th- that's why I wanted to talk about this one. The listener writes, I've been running into this a lot lately. Guys who are threatened by my level of achievement so far in life. Of the last five dates I went on, three of them got super weird and defensive when I mentioned that I own a house and have been spending my time working on some projects there. I'm 28 and I have my hinge set to the age range of 27 to 37. My friends say I won't have this problem if I date guys 30 plus, but I'm not so sure. I'm honestly considering writing on hinge that in quotes, I own a house and I'm an executive in an expanding startup. If that makes you uncomfortable, this isn't going to work. But that's too aggressive, right? Do I change my age range? Please help. Shout out to this listener because she DM'd me this question and I suggested that she submit to our form. So thank you for submitting to our form. Amazing. I don't think that changing your age range is going to help here because I you are going to find people, men in this case, who are uncomfortable with your level of success no matter what age they are. As a frame of reference – the one that was uncomfortable with my JD and made fun of it because he had a PhD, 40s. Right. Right. So just take that. <laughs> yeah. I I do think I, – I, or rather, I don't think that she should add in the I own a house and I'm an executive at an expanding startup. If that makes you uncomfortable, this isn't going to work. I don't think she should put that in her profile because we we want, as we've talked about before, we want to avoid negativity in our profiles that makes it seem like the experiences that we've had with dating apps have been negative Mm -hmm. or, you know, speak disparagingly about people that we've encountered in the past. But I do think there are ways that you can speak to that in your profile without adding that negativity at the end of it. I was going to say, is there a positive reframe here? Yeah. Like I think on Hinge, there's, you know, I don't know all the prompts off the top of my head, but there are ones about like what you spend your free time doing or or your perfect Sunday, for example. Yes. And so she says that she spends a lot of time working on projects at the house. So she could say like a perfect Sunday for me or use one of those prompts and say like, I just bought a house upstate, you know, and I'm doing projects there. Like some specific project that she – has been doing at the yeah. house she owns. You know, watching DIY or like watching HGTV so I know how to um how to retile my like new house. You know, something that shows some personality but also brings in stays positive and brings in sort of the facts that she's trying to bring in, I think is really yes. doable. And I also just want to reemphasize that like I find this relatable. And yeah. Yeah, I think that this sort of gets to a feeling a lot of us have, which is sort of the idea of like the too much girl. And I don't, and I like that her instinct, even though I think we want to redirect it into positivity, I like that her instinct is not, do I need to downplay this? Do I need to make myself smaller? That is not the correct answer. And no. so I like, I, I like that she's saying, this is still who I am, and I want to find a man who can meet me there. And 
I think that like her head is clearly in the right place for finding the right partner. And so I, I like that. I totally agree. And I think it's a very similar concept to how we talk about being on a first date and being your authentic self doesn't mean that you need to reveal everything about yourself. Mm, that's really true. I think that there's a similar sort of corollary here to presenting information about yourself doesn't have to be in one way versus another. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you don't that you're hiding it. It just is presented in one way versus another way that might be perceived as negative. That's that's super helpful too. And so do you think it's possible that there is a way not just to present this on a dating app, but then to present it in person that is more effective one way or the other? Yeah. I mean, I think I still recommend saying something on your yeah. dating app about it. You know, I don't think that there is a way to avoid the people that are going to be defensive about it becoming defensive about it. Like, there's no way if a man is going to be, or anybody, if anybody is going to be defensive or feel threatened by your level of success. There isn't really a way to say it that is going to make them not feel that way. Mm-hmm. The opposite is not true, though. There are certainly ways of talking about your level of success that will make people feel uncomfortable, even if they wouldn't have otherwise. Absolutely. There's because then you're getting into potentially acting either cocky or yes. name droppy, or you know, it's easy to see how that spirals out. We're going to assume that that's not what's happening here. Yes, exactly. Like assuming that we are not being braggy or showboaty or anything like that. Oh, love showboaty. Great there, word. Thanks. There are still people that are going to become defensive and feel threatened by success no matter how it's presented. And there's n- really no way you can present it that will make those people not feel those things. You can try to avoid going out with those people by saying it up front in your profile and then hoping that that defensiveness or negativity comes out sooner. Mm-hmm. So that is why I recommend doing something like that prompt. Totally. But I really don't think the age is going to help. You might find a smaller percentage of people that are potentially threatened by it, but I don't think you're going to eliminate the issue. Agreed. And you could and probably would just be eliminating people that might be great fits for you that are your age. Very good point. In trying to solve for that one particular issue. Yeah. Yeah. I would leave the wider net and suss it out other ways. Yeah, same. Do you want to take on one more? Yeah, I'll read this one. This one's interesting. Oh, okay. Things were going very well with a guy I'd had a few dates with. Date two was almost 12 hours. The day after our last date – that is too long. Uh, (laughs) The day after our last date, I realized later in the day that he has not replied to my last text and that it actually went through as a text and not an iMessage. I was ghosted earlier this year after three and a half months of dating, so I'm a bit hyper aware of the early signs of a possible ghosting. I saw he ended our chat on Bumble and blocked me on Instagram. Are these supposed to be early signs of possible ghosting? Okay. Sorry, I'll stop. I think we're de- – we're de- this is clearly – with this evidence, this is clearly a ghost. Yeah, very much so. Okay, sorry. I'll, I will stop editorializing and read. No, it's great. We, we weren't following each other, but he popped up as, as a suggested account a few days ago. I tried calling him and it went straight to voicemail. I also had two friends check his Instagram just to be sure and, yep, they could see him. I used I, – I'm so sorry, listener, that I'm – okay. I used one of my other Instagram accounts to send him a message and he replied. I'm 50% beating myself up. He wasn't aware of my last ghosting experience. But the Bumble and Instagram pieces aren't sitting well with me, so I feel like I did the right thing in my attempt to call him out. I'd love to get your thoughts. I w- okay. I want to be 
like kind to the listener in the sense yes. that I we both know this trauma yes. of getting ghosted and the hypervigilance that can occur and the anxiety that it can cause and sort of like I have a friend in college actually who described this feeling as what happens in the shower when you like grip the soap too tightly that it's sort of like it just like you're holding on so tight it like kind of pops and like slips away mm, from you that's and a really like good analogy I, yeah I always really liked that and so it's like that feeling of anxiety where it's like oh god I know I'm gripping tighter and I know it's like falling apart so I'm very empathetic to that but this is a good example of this person has communicated that they do not want to contact you and you need to leave them alone. Yeah, I I agree. I am all for calling out a ghoster. As, as you know, as everybody knows, I have a script to do so. Yes. I do not think that you should use that script if you have to go to this level of calling somebody out. There's no excuse for this person's behavior. Absolutely. So I, I also want to say do not even even close to 50%, 0% beat yourself up because it doesn't matter if he was aware or not of your last ghosting experience. This is unacceptable behavior regardless of what you've experienced in the past. Completely unacceptable. It should be more than – I also think it should be more than not sit well with her. This should be unacceptable. This is completely the, the preclusive behavior to a, a dating partner. Yes. And I totally get why she sought him out to call him out, but – one of the – there's a few reasons why I suggest that you call out ghosters. One is to practice expressing your boundaries and your standards. So sure, perhaps she accomplished that here. We ha we don't see the exchange, so we're not sure. The second is because calling out the behavior denormalizes it. Mm -hmm. And people who ghost generally do so because it is the easiest method of telling somebody, quote unquote, telling somebody that they don't want to date them anymore. Path of least resistance. Yes. The path of, path of least resistance. Exactly. This person has not chosen the path of least resistance. This person has taken a lot of action to ensure that you can't contact them. Mm -hmm. And so for me, this is no longer – this is like moves even further than a ghost. I don't even know what word we would use for this, but because this is not – most ghosting is fairly passive. Very. Like most ghosting is not, you know, obviously I'm not going to respond to you. So like that, that is a decision. But the act of ghosting means that I've done nothing, right? I haven't, I haven't said anything. I haven't texted you. I haven't called you back, whatever, whatever the method of communication is. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of activity happening with this situation. Yeah. And I think for that reason, this is this goes one level past ghosting. It's even more deplorable behavior. And I don't think that calling it out is going to – I don't think that this person needs to be told that that behavior is not okay. Totally. Or that they will benefit at all from that communication. Uh, yeah. No, there's no – yeah. I, I, I think you're right that if you view the no ghosting script as a two-pronged purpose, she has expressed her needs and boundaries or at least sought to do so and may have gone a step too far in achieving that. But this person – has clearly their own methods that the, the, we are not going to be able to that go far beyond our level of able to fix. Yes. So on that note, I am excited to welcome back a guest. Yes, me too. And like in a kind of cool, different capacity. Very much so. So a while back, one of our earliest guest episodes actually 
We had on Alana Dunn and jo- Jonah Feingold from at the time, they were the co-hosts of the Seeing Other People podcast. Mm-hmm. Recently, as listeners know, Alana has stepped out on her own because Jonah was taking more time to pursue his filmmaking career. And we're so excited to bring him on and interview him about his directorial debut, a movie called Dating in New York. Yeah. It's so like it was great. We we received screeners and got to watch it. And it was really fun. I watched it with my mom. We laughed. We had a really good time. It was really fun. I also felt very cool having received a screener from IFC to watch. <laughs> um, yeah. So the movie premiered at the Tribeca Film Festival and then it was picked up by IFC. It's being released on September 10th, so this week when you're listening to this episode. So excited to chat with him about it. Yeah, me too. And I think um, one of the characters even says that he would prefer to be ghosted. So I think that there's there's a lot we can talk about. So much. And so without further ado, let's get to Jonah. Yeah. And we are back with Jonah. Hi, Jonah. Welcome back. It's so good to see you. So great to see both of you. Thank you for having me back onto your wonderful show. Um, very exciting to be here. Yes. Well, for the listeners who haven't seen our episode with Jonah Feingold, we did a little bit of an intro just now, but would love to hear, you know, what you've been up to since we last recorded. And, you know, obviously you've been up to quite a bit with this film, Dating in New York. Yeah. Well, you know, we recorded back in the scene of the people days, which, you know, it's been um couple months now maybe weeks i don't know maybe a couple months since uh seeing other people and that's really i mean it's as simple as like i've been up to make completing this film but that's to say that there is a lot of different things that come with completing the the movie and we had premiered at the tribeca film festival i think i told you guys when we were you know even doing seeing other people that we had this movie that i was working on as like my my full my job on the other side of the podcasting and so it had just sort of come to the point of like, I wanted to really give it a thousand percent of my energy, especially with the film festival coming up and with the opportunity of potentially finding a home for the movie, which we did shout out IFC, which our Mm -hmm. amazing distribution company and blue Fox who will take it international. And yeah, I mean, uh, there's, you know, there's of course ups and downs of the personal dating life, but, um, that's really been the professional life has just been completing this movie and, I'm excited to tell you guys more about it. Yay. That's awesome. Yeah, I think actually when we recorded with you guys was like right around the time you were announcing you were in Tribeca. Wow. I, I think you're right. That yeah. was that was really crazy. I it was cool because I feel like a lot of the senior people listeners like had said sort of been tracking along that narrative of this movie since our first episode. Um so that that checks out timing wise for sure. Yeah. And both you and Alana are in the movie. Yes, we are both in the movie. Um, <laughs> next movie, you two got to get in it as well. Oh, God, no. Done. Um, <laughs> um, Alana is in the first uh, like five minutes of the film. So you can, you know, if you just want to watch the first five minutes, you can see Alana's quick cameo um, and y- you'll get that fix. <laughs> Too funny. Um, well, before we get into talking more about it, got to do our weird or not for the week, which was inspired by you. Wow, I'm honored. Wait till you're honored. Okay, so <laughs> today, this week's weird or not is they call someone their future wife or husband on first sight. <laughs> uh, too good. Can you? Okay, wait. Just because I remember we were talking about this in the last time. Remind me the 
the weird applies to that's if I say it's weird, that's weird. That's weird. And then nah is nah. That's not weird. That's not weird. Yeah. Uh, you want me to go first, or are you guys? Yeah, yeah. Me? Guess the split. Yeah, go for it. Uh, it's nah. By how much? What's the percentage breakdown? Oh well, personally, um, oh by what's yeah, but um, oh boy, um. You know what? I know that the split, the people are going to think it's weird. They're going to say it's weird. I know what people are going to say. I know what I, and then I can explain my answer. But um, I'm going to say that it is, let's go change my answer. It is weird and it's going to be like 80 20. But you personally don't think it's weird? Um, no, I think we've, have we not all been in that situation where we go on a date with someone and we're like, I just met my future wife or husband? And it's like, you're sort of saying it a bit ironically, but have you never said that before i i have but i also thought i was being real weird at the time i never have because i'm a robotic monster but (laughs) okay so jonah thinks 80 20 but personally he thinks it's not weird yeah i will say there's a difference between acknowledging something is weird and saying this is something i'm willing to do and so i respect i understand that said this is super fucking weird And unfortunately, you stole my percentages. I absolutely think it's 80-20. You guys are spot on. Wow, let's go. Let's go. We nailed it. 80% 80 weird, 20% nah. Here's the thing, though. I think just in general, we all, like, I guess admitting that it's, like, people do it. We do do it. Perhaps we don't want to admit that we do it. But that's where my original answer was stemming from. Yeah. Totally understand. Most people said, and people kind of said that too. They're like, I've definitely done this, so I don't know if I can really judge. Other people made the distinction of, are you saying this to the person or are you saying this to your friends? Mm. Oh, that's a really good point. I think you're, well, it'd be insane to say it to the person. Right. And so they were (laughs) like, if if you say that to the person, then- really fucking weird otherwise we all do it i completely agree with that with that note yeah yeah although i will say in the movie he says it to the person he says it to um he points because she hears it she hears it right yeah and then, of course yeah and we don't want to spoil our alert but yes. you know yes yes yeah. yes um but you got you guys are just crushing it i don't work you've never gotten it spot on before i don't think oh my god this is literally the best I've ever done. That's really exciting. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm really excited to be a part of the episode that that, that yeah. happened. Honored to be here, Jonah. Huh. Yeah, thank you. You've bol- you've bolstered me. You've you raised me up so I can stand on mountains. <laughs> so, Jonah, getting into the movie, dating in New York, both of us absolutely loved it. Oh. I mm-hmm. we Rourke watched it with her mom. I watched it with my cats. Great experience for both of us. It was super fun. The may, the way it's meant to be watched, the way we intended, you know, <laughs> cats and mothers. Yep. I assumed, like, as I sat there with my glass of wine and my two cats, I'm like, I think this is what Jonah envisioned. I'm it pretty is. sure. It actually is, though. I mean, that's quite literally the idea is it's a it's like a comfort movie in that capacity where you can. I even encourage people to be on the apps swiping away as you're watching it, you know, like it's. I'm sure I was. <laughs> Um, and we also both really appreciate, obviously, I still live in New York, Rourke lived here for a while, and we also both really appreciated that backdrop of the city that we both love so much. Um, well, I mean, I really appreciate you guys watching it, and that was important. It's, I think what we're learning, especially as we're like trying to 
market the film to other countries is that there is a lot of want for just the New York element of a movie. And it could mm, be any, yeah. it could be, it's the reason that like Gossip Girl and Sex in the City and all these different shows, Law and Order, it's just like there is something just about ironically Godzilla. and very much in the tone of our film, the character of, of New York that um, makes it appealing to people. Yeah, totally. But Jonah, tell us more about, you mentioned kind of like trying to market it. Like, tell us more about that process of getting this movie to the public, to where you're at. Yes, this is exciting to talk about. Um, I think you're maybe the first people I've ever gotten to talk to it intimately about, and especially connecting the dating podcasting world. Um, well, the story, this, the thing is, I lived in LA for like seven years. I think you guys know that. Yeah. And mm -hmm. then I moved back to New York after like many, many years of pitching projects and trying to get stuff made and like some successes, but never the feature length movie. Because as people, you know, if you want to be a director, if you want to be an artist in any capacity or a creative, start a business or make an album or make a movie, you have to take that leap of faith and just like go do it and not expect anyone to necessarily help you. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they're there to help, but you can't really control that. And so I had been doing that attemptedly for seven years. And then I realized that you don't just get hired to make a movie. And I came back to New York and this is 2018, actually around the time that Alana and I went on our first date. So August 2018, just to, wow. just to map it for everyone. Um, yeah, I think that she said that she talked to you about this movie on that date. Very possible. I think I was like, she was like, so what do you do? And I was like, well, I'm trying to raise money to go make an indie movie. And I'm sure some red flags went off in her head as like <laughs> what kind of potential life partner I could really be. And rightfully so. And we um, that whole summer was a was raising the money and putting the movie together, which was basically happens at the same time. You're casting, you're raising the money, you're scouting the locations. A lot of people think that you need to do one before the other. I believe it happens in what I call reverse Pangea. So all these things are going to come together to to fit together like a puzzle. But it's like you have to do it at the same time. This is time. already Otherwise, the most Jonah podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we've gotten we've gotten one buzzword in here um but uh movie came together we shot it in the fall it was a dream come true we shot for you know a couple like two weeks and then a year of just editing and then the pandemic and then we did the score the adr the color all this and our amazing amazing team of like like-minded creative filmmakers we all just really stuck it out and said we were going to complete this thing. And then we waited. The movie was done in November of last year. And I was having a full mental breakdown over just like releasing it because I thought people needed good feel good movies at home because of the pandemic. Yeah. And I was like, let's just drop this on Valentine's Day. And my producers were like, no, we're going to wait on Tribeca because you owe yourself. We owe ourselves that. And we got into the festival and then that was an amazing experience, but what they were able to do was sell the movie before the festival because you had a reason. It's kind of like, actually, very much like dating. You know, it's a it was an ultimatum. It was a it was a what are we conversation with these buyers. It was, <laughs> look, I'm gonna go. I want to be in a relationship. This 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 I, yeah. I was about to say it. It sounds like it was actually a this is what I'd like us to be conversation. It's exactly that. It's exactly that. <laughs> and in your stance, which is, is the better kind. Yes. This is a better kind. Yes. It's and we're the moving train and um that's how we found I've seen they were an amazing partner and you know, Ariana and Aja and everyone over there who like got on a Zoom with us and said, This is how we want to market your movie. It's cuffing season, it's modern, but it's 
classic. And I was like, I was blown away. And then cut to now, August 23rd, when we're recording this and the movie comes out in, you know, three weeks in theaters and uh, online. And hopefully, you know, people can enjoy it safely from their couch or safely from a theater uh, should they choose to. That's so cool. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I'm i shocked to hear you say that you only filmed for two weeks. This is something that I, I, I feel like I do want to publicize in the sense of like, yeah, we only shot for 15 days. And I think it's like, look, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter the way the movie was made. It matters how the movie makes you feel. And of course, the integrity that you have as a filmmaker and your process, creative process with your crew and your cast. But like, I think it's worth knowing to aspiring people listening who are aspiring filmmakers that you don't necessarily on your first movie get everything you want. In my case, it was a lack of time. And I don't say lack of time, like everything, I wouldn't change a thing. But 15 days is very, very quick. And to put it in comparison for people who are listening who don't necessarily know production schedules, our Marvel movie shoots over a year. Um, you know, a normal indie probably shoots somewhere between 20 and 30 days. And ours was 15. But, you know, kind of fun. <laughs> it was kind of like a drug. Yeah. And you do what you got to do at that point. You know, you make it happen. Exactly. Exactly. You So you talked about, you know, filming in New York in fall and that being a part of the dream. And I think that that hits on, and you've also already mentioned Nora Ephron, which is, I remember somebody that we talked about when we recorded with you guys as seeing other people. Tell us about, like, your inspiration, what spoke to you about this concept? Um, yeah, just tell us about sort of your creative journey with it. What I like that you, so you guys having seen it and us having a relationship from our previous podcast work, I feel like the, the thing that's perhaps not that obvious to people is that there's no one narrative in the movie that I relate to in the sense of like, it wasn't like I, I've had a relationship contract with anybody. I've never done that before. I've never ran into an ex at a plant store or, you know, I think we all have a little bit of Milo and Wendy in us. And I, I'm excited for, for when we eventually talk about which character we might relate to more. But I think the thing that is deeply personal about the film is the way in which the story is told, which is sort of very, you know, in, hopefully very meta, very lighthearted, very um, like self-referential and hopefully still unique. And so you know, that was the, the the main idea was to just make a movie like a rom-com that spoke to a spoke to us in a hyper specific way. What you know, when people check out the film, there's a scene where, you know, there's a there's a drunken text sequence where one of our characters misses somebody and they get down this spiral of a drunken text message thread. And there's a scene about looking at someone's Instagram grid and trying to figure out if they're still single or not. And it's all these very specific things that we go through on a daily basis, especially all of us on this podcast, we know all these things that, that plague our, our current modern dating generation. And I think these are the questions that we went into the movie trying to allude, not necessarily answer, but certainly highlight as being the modern problems with dating. So I, I think that is the conceptual, like the idea for the film was tackle those concepts in a narrative feature length romantic comedy that is like an indie movie. Yeah. I love that. And I think although it did does speak in specific to a lot of the sort of modern dating things that we deal with, I had imagine, and Rook, you watch it with your mom, so you could actually probably actually answer this question. I still feel like it relates more broadly 
to somebody watching who doesn't necessarily know all of those things, but I still feel like would really enjoy the depicting of it. Oh yeah, she got no, she loved it. She also really loved the friendship between the two guys. The friendship between the guys, I to your to your mom's note, I um something I'm super proud of as well as I think like you'd see a lot of like male characters in rom-coms just being depicted as like the Matthew McConaughey douchebag type. Although I just watched How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days mm-hmm. and that movie is fantastic. I think that was important too. It's like I wanted to see two two men on screen who spoke the way that me and my friends speak to each other, which is sort of overly romanticizing and like we're very, very like close and, you know, we're getting facials and, you know, it's 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 all about like mental health and all these different things that we're just like very open about with each other. And I feel like we hadn't quite seen that in a rom-com yet. So that was um, that's cool that that was uh, that was noticed. Yeah, I I loved that, too. And I think all four of the sort of main characters are so wonderful. And Rourke and I were wondering, like, how did you how do you go about casting? Like, how do you f- figure out who is going to fit these I mean, I'm sure you've been conceptualizing what who these characters were for so long. Yeah, it's it's nice because you write them down and then you have the actors come in. They make them even more alive. And let's start with someone like Jabuki, who I think is like the next. I think he will be the biggest thing in the world. I think he's a multi hyphenate. He is a great human being. He is talented and funny and smart and works hard. And someone like him, I had seen him in one scene in a movie called Someone Great that was on Netflix. Oh, yeah. And he has that scene. He's on the scooter. They're like looking to buy drugs or get tickets. I forget what it was. And he's like on the scooter and he has just like this scene stealer. And I'm like, who the hell is that? And him and I got tacos and like just talked about our favorite movies. And we're very similar. I mean, like we're just we, we just have a lot of like at the at our core. I think we're very similar people. Um, so that was how Jabuki came to play Milo. And then for Francesca, I had seen her in a couple of different pieces. I had known she was sort of doing some cool acting stuff from, you know, at NYU. And then she was had this wonderful role on Stranger Things. And she just gave off the energy as like someone who like very much in line with Wendy. I think she's very different than Wendy. But I think the New York, I could see her in Jabuki trying to make it work, but not. But mm-hmm. and I, I could just see that. And so that really lent into to why I thought she was so wonderful for that. And then Kat and Brian, this is a great story. Um, Kat Cohen got sent to us via a casting director. Her and I got drinks at Fairfax in the West Village and instantly hit it off. You know, we were just we're we're, we're same style of humor, same moral, same like, you know, East Coast ge- uh, geography of like Jewish friends. And we talked for about 20 minutes uh, about the role in the character. And then she's like, look, this is awesome. You seem awesome. Like we should do this. And I was like, great. And so I'm like, she's like, so how's your dating life? And I was like, how's yours? And we're just talking about our dating lives. And she's telling about these two different men's that she men that she's like dating. And I'm hearing both sides of the story. And I was doing seeing other people or just a, I was doing a ver- or dating sucks at the time. And so mm-hmm. I was like, look, let me help you. I can let's talk about this. And she describes both these guys and there's a clear winner. There's a clear winner between these two. There's like the guy that like really cares and like clearly like shows that equal love and like doesn't make her second guess the text wow. she's sending. So Kat and I part ways. We have a great meeting. An hour later, I get a FaceTime. I get a FaceTime from a good friend of mine named Brian Muller, who I known since high school. And it's Brian on FaceTime. And he's looking at me and he's like, dude, no fucking way. And next to him is Kat. 
And that was one of the guys in the story. And I'm like, dude, you're the Brian in the story. And they were like dating and they're very- Wait, is that the one that you told her to get with or break up with? I did. I did. That's the one I told her to get. That's the one that was like, this guy seems awesome. Oh yeah, no, it was was great. Great. And um, yeah. And he was like, oh my God, dude, like congrats on their movie. Like, it sounds really great. And I was like, Brian, like, would you are like, he's cause he's an actor. And I was like, you know what? You'd be so perfect for this role. Would you like send me a tape? And so he sends me a tape. It was for a different role. And, but then I was, I saw his tape and I was like, wait, this guy is Hank. Now I just need to call Kat and say, is it okay that I cast your like, dead. <laughs> you know, your current like lover as your on screen boyfriend. And she was like, of course. And that's how we got those two. And so now they're happily dating, you know, they're like very serious now. Um, and wow. so that's how we got that main cast. This is incredible. Yeah, it's um, it's really special, and it's like a really cool off the off the screen story about about their uh, their journey. And like I made them, you I won't reveal to the audience how the movie ends, but you guys have seen it. And it's like once you make them go through that, you know, hopefully something positive happens for them. Totally. Oh wow, I love that. We talked a little bit about rom coms, and you know, I also am obsessed with How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days. Um, as you think about, you know, the rom-com genre, like what elements do you think are necessary and which ones do you, did you, were you kind of trying to avoid in terms of some of those pitfalls you might see? Great question. Um, I think that the, the best rom-coms in my opinion starts with really great characters and off of that really great chemistry. I think that if you have two actors that have great chemistry, you can kind of just put them in a room and let them do their thing. And we didn't do a, it's called a chem read where you actually have your actors read together and like practice and just sort of, you can see as the director or the producer is like, is this person, are they going to mesh? We didn't have that. Um, we just didn't have the time. We didn't have the resources to put that together, but we got very lucky. Obviously their chemistry was like exactly what we wanted it to be. I also think from a narrative standpoint, the best romantic comedies toy with the audience wherein the audience needs to be slightly ahead of the characters. Um, and you do that intentionally. Mm. Mm. And it is ironic that I think some of the best rom-coms are the ones where each character has like a big lie, like a big secret. And look at How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, which is probably one of the gr- like greatest commercial rom-coms of all time um, in terms of its structure and premise and like, but like the criticism of that movie is there's a lot of like, there's a lot of secrets, the article for the bet, for the, for the client, for the market, like it's very layered. And I wanted to, you know, the pitfall that I wanted to avoid was any of that. So in our movie, there's only one, each character has one lie and it's the same lie. And it's that they're both not being truthful about what they're looking for in a relationship. And okay. it's much less plot contrived. I mean, We've all seen the movie. It's not as if one of them is a secretly, you know, writing a blog about the other person or, you know, uh, secretly their email pen pal, but also opening the competing bookshop. It's <laughs> it's just that they're, they it asks a great, central great rom-com, great rom-com. Um, yes. I, I think it's I think it's it's like the same reason you might love a movie like How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days or Shop Around the Corner. Versus like in a movie like When Harry Met Sally, which when Harry Met Sally does the central question, can men and women be friends with sex involved and um, the chemistry of 
uh, Meg Ryan and Billy Crystal. And so it's just two different lanes of the rom-com genre. But if you have those ingredients, I think you will have something very successful. That was very well put. Yeah, I I loved that I didn't I loved that I didn't have to scream at the screen that like if you could just just explain it for like three sentences and then she'll understand like all of the all of these movies where there's this big secret that one character gets so mad at the other character for but like if they would just have like a five minute conversation then like the whole conflict goes away. I it's you're so right. That's a huge pet peeve. (laughs) By the way, there is a ton of value in that though. Like the movies where you can yell at the screen. Like they're there, those are fun too. And I think one day I would love to explore that genre of yelling at the screen, angry at the characters didn't do something right. But totally. for this first one, I don't think that was the necessary thing. A question I had for you, Jonah, is about something that I think came up when we first spoke and that I felt was really authentic to you in watching the movie, where I was like, oh, I can see Jonah in this. You clearly wanted to deal with like busting some dating myths. And the one that really jumped out to me was the idea that like men don't exclusively want sex. They also want the emotional attachment. That one like really leapt out to me because I know we've talked about that. And so what about sort of modern dating did you want to kind of make people see a little differently with the movie? That's a great question. Um, That's a big one. The big one is that like we want to cuddle, you know, like, you know, as as Mila says, I'm a be big spoon, sometimes a little spoon, because I like feeling safe. Um, but <laughs> I loved that. Part. <laughs> uh, he, he, the the idea is is that I think that there's perhaps a misconception, and we talked about this on on previous episodes, but like that all the 2002 movies, all men want sex with like women. I'm, I I speak for a lot of I know everybody's different, but there is a there is a group of us out there who I don't think are always seeking that and who perhaps are seeking the very complicated because I'm not saying that like I can say I'm not looking for you can say you're not looking for sex, but maybe you're not also looking like I want to cuddle, but I don't necessarily want to be a relationship. And like so there is a sort of mm-hmm. weird in between that exists, which is, of course, the nature of the movie's plot, where it's like these two characters does Milo really want a serious relationship or does he just want someone to cuddle with and like, and to text and does Wendy really want to never, never be an ex again, or does she want to secretly confront that and doesn't necessarily almost enjoys the, the like needs that in her life needs to, to experience relationships and not be afraid of, of them. And so I think that the big myth there is, is as you know, men probably want this. And also I talked to a lot of my like friends who were women, a lot of our team, you know, we're like almost 60% behind the camera women, you know, on our film, uh, my production designer, my costume designer, my cinematographer, my editor, uh, one of our EPs, our casting directors, um, my gaffer, like all these different roles. And I, you know, obviously I wasn't going to write a movie that was just like the way that Jonah thinks that women talk. It was like, how are we going to make this character sound authentic mm-hmm. to our audience? I think that the last thing they'll say about the myth that we were trying to sort of bust is that all this shit, and this is why your podcast is so important and seeing other people was so important. It's like all this stuff that we think about and get anxiety about when it comes to modern dating, whether it's texting, ghosting, DMing, all the minutia, we always think, oh my gosh, I must be insane. Like this, I'm the only person thinking this. But the point is, no, like literally we're all thinking it. We're all going through it together. We are all debating sending that I miss you text. We're all, mm, mm-hmm. you know, we're all going on that amazing first date and then never never hearing from someone. 
So that's the real that's the real thing I'm trying to say is like this is clearly popular enough that it's now into a movie. So hopefully people feel a bit better about um, about some of the things that, that have plagued them in their dating life. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, you feel like on that note, do you feel like Milo is the character that you relate to the most? Hmm. You know, I, that's a great question. I'm going to toss that back at both of you. I think that Milo is certainly in the sense that I deflect with comedy. I think Milo does that. I think Milo probably is seeking a relationship in some capacities. I am probably at this point, like not as outwardly feeling that way as Milo is. And I think with Wendy's like deep down, I'm more Wendy deep down. The reason I'm still single is because I'm afraid of having and having to go through a breakup again. So on a deep level, Wendy on a surface level, Milo, and I per- perhaps that's why we have the movie we have. <laughs> yeah. What about what about you guys? I think that makes a lot of sense in how the movie came out. Yeah, I definitely see myself in Milo specifically in the sense that he and this is probably more in my 20s, maybe than more recently, but in the sense that he is really looking for a relationship, but afraid to just say that and be unapologetically and maybe to your point maybe he isn't in all ways but the fact that he in some way feels like he can't be looking for what he's looking for Ooh, okay i related to that a lot and again not as much anymore but i think for a long time especially in my early and mid-20s as i was dating and outwardly saying i was okay with the situationships the casual encounters with people you know three dates here four dates here when in reality, I did not want that at all. Wow. That's very relatable. Yeah. If I'm allowed to, I will go outside our sort of main two into the um, other, like your kind of B main characters and say Jesse for sure. I, I She strikes me as somebody who is a little bit cynical, but is also very open to kind of like meeting this romantic person who's going to shift her perspective a little bit. And I think I really relate to that. I love that. And I think you, I think you nailed on the head, like what the, she's open. She's like, she's open to finding love. She's open to, she's kind of like getting tossed around the pinball machine that is dating, you know, and like, she's accepting all the things that come with that, the emotional, you know, wearing her heart on her sleeve and not being afraid to say what she's thinking about. Oh, you're talking about your ex that's moving to LA. Like, really? Like, are you still talking? You know, but, um, but that's, that's, I, I love that. That's a, that's a good character pick. I also see you and her work in terms of how direct she is, particularly in the beginning of the movie when she and Hank meet for the first time. Like, I could totally see you overhearing something yeah. the guy said and like walking right up to him, be like, excuse me. Oh my God. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, that is my vibe. Yes, but I mean, overall, Jonah, we both loved this movie. Yeah, I think, and I think, like, I hope that's very clear to the audience that we like really in- enjoyed it. Oh no, it's I, it I, I'm, hey, I, I'm the as the audience, I'm like stoked to like, I want to go watch this movie again. Um, no, but I, I, like I said, I really appreciate you guys watching it, and it's fun full circles to be able to come back on the show and and talk about it and. Uh, just I, I think it's a, like I said, it's a great movie for a Sunday or for a Saturday night, for a Friday night um, on a first date or a second. I say second date movie because a movie for all nights, movie for all nights, um, second date movie, because that way your first date, you're going to obviously want to. I don't know if for, I don't know if going to a movie on a first date is like I think we've declared that. And no, yeah, no. you don't do that. We don't. Absolutely not. But mm-hmm. second or third date, you could kind of start to do that. So it's good for that. 
Love that. And so Jonah, remind our listeners, it'll be in our show notes too, but remind them where they can find you in the movie. Absolutely. Okay. So you can find the movie on September 10th. You can go onto iTunes and rent it. You can go on Amazon and rent it. Or if you feel comfortable, um, you can go to a movie theater and it'll be playing. As of right now, there's about 20 theaters across the US. Um, if you're in New York, IFC Center will be playing it. If you're in LA, go to the IPIC Theater. It's a lovely theater that has, you can get martinis, you can order food. It's Love like a, an IPIC. Oh yeah, Ooh. super, super fun. Um, and of course, there's other theaters as well. If you want to figure out what those theaters are, you can go to Fandango or you can come to our Instagram, which is Dating in New York. Um, and I'm sure at that point we'll have posted all the theaters that are showing it. And if you like the movie, um, you know, all I ask is that you just tell someone about it. And I think that that's, you know, typically they say rate and subscribe, but in movie world, all you got to do is just um, talk about the movie to somebody. And then the word of mouth is hopefully the, the strongest result in people finding it. Yeah. Well, hopefully this can be one small way that people find it. Yeah. I love that. Great. Well, Jonah, it was wonderful talking to you again. I'm so happy we were able to do this. Thank you for coming back, Jonah. This is so fun. Thank you so much for having me back on the show. Um, I'm looking forward to the next visit and uh, I'll see you guys around. Definitely. Bye. 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 Bye.